Scream, the TV series. My butt's asleep. Don't worry. I'm sure that Brandon James. Uh! That's right. There's a story behind Brandon James. <laughs> We're going to get to him too. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we are. Daisy, Daisy. Daisy. Don't turn your brain to goo. Nightmares in my head, I fear That the thoughts build up until I can't hear That my mind fills up into a creature And it haunts me somewhere much deeper Well, you know, you gotta remember that the whodunit may not be as important in our story. So, it's more of a why done it? No, I'm saying you need to forget it's a horror story. That someone might die at every turn. You have to care if the smoking hot lit teacher seems a little too interested in his female students. You have to care if the team wins the big game. You have to care if the smart pretty girl forgives the dumb jock. You root for them. You love them. So when they are brutally murdered, it hurts. Noah Foster talking to Riley in the pilot episode of Scream, the TV series. Let's hear <laughs> your best scream. Ah! Now. <laughs> I didn't like it. That we've screamed. It was time, dreamy screamers and audience members. It was time that we made good on our promise to do Scream, the TV series after we completed Baraska, the podcast that you and I both loved, right? Yeah, but I'm so pumped for Scream. I'm glad you brought that up all on your own, unsolicited, because I want to know, with as much gusto as you want to give it, why did you enjoy Scream, the TV series, so much? Why did you love it? Why did it resonate with you? I remember watching it with you three or four times in completion. You laughed just as hard at the scenes that made you laugh the first time around. And that is very out of character for you. Because once you've heard a joke, unless it's The Office or Parks and Rec, you rarely laugh again, particularly with the same enthusiasm. So I, much like these dreamy screamers out there, are dying to know why you found Scream the TV series so goddamn likable. I think that's funny that you're asking me about the funniness, and it's supposed to be scary. But yeah, I mean, the more I watch the show, the better it gets. I will say that. And this is a rare show that is obviously not a new premise, but I dare say that I like the show better than the movies because it's just a little bit more relatable. Maybe because it's like up to date. I'm not sure. But that first episode just draws you in. Immediately, you're drawn in. And the way the episode ends, I'm, I was like, oh my god, I'm hooked. I have to see what happens. As you would say at your current employer, there are oodles to unpack from what you just said. I note that I made a comment about humor and the comedic element of Screen the TV series just a few moments ago. Because there are not that many murders in the show. In fact, it's like a healthy amount of murders. 
it's an amount of murders that does not delve into the world of wholly implausible, like just enough people die where it keeps your tension pulled tautly and tightly, but it's not so much that it segues into wholesale fantasy. But when people are not being killed or being chased, they fill it with character development, backstories realized and reapplied to present circumstances, love interests, normal high school activities and mentalities. Of course, all of the characters in high school are wise beyond their years, and the things that they think to say on the spot are both eloquent, witty, and quotable. It's a funny show. And I think to touch on the concept of, is it better than Scream as a franchise? Well, the TV show has a undeniable advantage to film and that it can maintain a consistent tone. And it's charming, I would say. I would say that is something that sets the TV show apart from the movie. It's charming. It's like Smallville, where the characters are super likable. As this entry quote I just dropped from Noah suggests that you care about the characters. I think the show does a good job of making these characters that could easily be grossly unlikable into something that not only do you not want to see brutally slashed, but you root for and you want to see victorious. Even the characters that you normally wouldn't root for, like in the- In your own high school. Yeah, exactly. And I like that probably more so than the poster premise, everyone has secrets- Everyone tells lies. I think the common denominator throughout Scream the TV series is that very few people are what they seem. And it can sometimes lead to a situation where they seem on the up and up, but they're sinister incarnate. And other times people are pegged to be soulless wenches and narcissistic assholes. But you find out there's actually layers internally of consideration and courage. But it's not so yin-yang-ish that you see someone acting like they could be the culprit, and that instantly rules them out as being the culprit. It's, it, it's one of those shows that does the very precarious and exhausting at times undertaking of keeping you guessing. And doesn't it, doesn't it keep you guessing? Don't you think that it successfully kept you guessing throughout its run? Yes, at least season one and two. I consistently didn't know what to expect episode to episode. You have your hunches and you have your- Intuitions, perhaps? Intuitions, clues into where you think the show is going. And then it just totally- I mean, I remember after watching the first season, at the very end, when you find out who the killer is, I was just like, what? I I don't even know if that person was on my radar. Nope. And there were some things that happened that could have mostly ruled them out. But upon rewatching, not entirely. And remember, Dreamy Screamers, there could be one, there could be 16, there could be 12 Roman gladiators, the ghost of Steve McQueen, by the time we're done with this, that are all responsible for the slayings. Yeah, and when you think back to the movies, that first season, there's two. So is it going to follow that? Is it not? Is it going to do its own thing? Man, woman, child, preacher, deep sea diver, Othello, hang glider. Nobody is safe, and anyone could be the knife-wielding psychopath, because psychopath is gender neutral. I think that Scream the TV series had an advantage over the film's saga. Scream the TV series came out in 2015. It had a 
cornucopia of films in the Scream world to analyze and interpret and decide how they wanted to relay or trace the Scream components that they liked. But where I really knew that this show was onto something magical from murder television, aka MTV, it was the moment when they're in class with Seth Branson. They're talking about serialized horror and how you can't make a horror film into a TV show. And it's a pun wrapped inside of an anecdote. And it is very tasty, salty, sweet with a bit of kick. It's that clever meta humor that Scream primarily takes the credit for, but are prevalent in other Wes Craven films and in other productions. But it's taking what Scream presented that was so masterful and so whimsical and having even more fun with it. But when you do that, you run the risk of it being goofy, right? Like it could easily meander into the world of, okay, this isn't scary. It's just goofy. They could have just made this a comedy. It could have just been, here is a running commentary and comedy on the world of horror films. It could have been a scary movie. But I think what keeps it grounded in its horror elements are that when the scenes come, they generate real suspense. And the stakes feel high in the show, don't they? Yeah. And I think the other thing that the TV show does better than the movie, and maybe it's because it's a TV show. You feel more for the characters, I think. I felt more for these characters and loved all of these characters more than I did the movie franchise. Here's an interesting supplement to your thesis. When I watched the original Scream in the sequel, 1996-1997, I was younger than the characters, not only the age of the actors, but who they were portraying in the films. I was barely in middle school, early high school when they were portraying high schoolers. I should have been able to relate to them more based on how they were personified in that film. But now I'm older than both the actors and the characters they're playing in Scream the TV series, but I related more to their high school experience, their tweeny drama, and the issues, emotions, confusion, and circumstances surrounding their adolescence. I related to it more. Just like listening to Baraska now, even though they're high schoolers, I was connecting in nostalgic and in a cerebral way because it just felt true. And maybe that's what I'm realizing about nostalgia, right? Is that you can't really experience nostalgia until time has passed. And maybe like your best years are behind you. So you really recognize in a possibly devastating way that those experiences are behind you and you can't recreate them, kind of like Adam Sandler tries to do in the film Billy Madison. So maybe that really juices up the nostalgia and it makes it more potent. But I get what you're saying, that I was concerned with some of the characters' fates in this show because in a film, in an hour and 40 minutes in, it's over. Here, you're talking 10 episodes of the first season, 12 episodes of the second season. And you're watching the episodes. And remember, we were watching the episodes the first time we got through this show. We were waiting episode to episode. So there was that anticipation. You just were really invested in the outcomes. So I really, really enjoy the show. Now, just from an overview perspective, what do you think about the characters, the production value? Do you think the kills are gory enough? 
Do you think that the music, both the score and the soundtrack are adequate? What's just kind of your take on the general specs of the show in a broad sense? I have no qualms. I enjoy the film quality. I enjoy the score. I think, as we were saying earlier, the characters are well-rounded and complex. In that first episode, you get everything, which is hard to do, by the way. And by, by everything, I mean the comedy, the rapport among the kids. The dialogue, the in-jokes, the pop culture references are in abundance, but they're so consistent with it, it doesn't seem forced or inorganic. Right. I mean, and you get the suspense. I like how in the first 10 minutes or so of the pilot, it is basically a recreation of the original Scream. And yet, it's a little goofier, it's a little sillier, but it is altogether effective. While it is taking cues from the franchise, it still feels fresh, and it feels independent. And I remember one of the complaints that I heard, people were pissy, as they're always pissy, because they have no dearth of piss and vinegar to spray among their fans and their foes alike, but they were upset that the Ghostface mask This is why this show is called Faux Ghostface, because it's Ghostface, and it has a lot of elementary similarities to Ghostface, but it's not. So it's a faux Ghostface. But people were pissed off, and they were carrying their pitchforks and torches storming the castle because they wanted to have Ghostface, and they wanted it to be more of the same from the Scream trilogy, the Scream franchise at that point, but they went in a different direction. It still ties to the past. But it's a different mask, it's a different cloak, and it's a different story. And I like that. I think what it did was it allowed you to kind of take a sabbatical from Scream as you knew it and enjoy something on its own merit. Do you think if they had followed in the traditional Scream, normal Ghostface vein, do you think that it would have still been successful? Or do you think that it was this was kind of the perfect storm of non-Maelstrom events that allowed it to be a delight? I like how it turned out because I feel like the mask they use, the backstory that they come up with makes it work. Also, when you think about the movies, those killers, it was just basically presented as a Halloween costume and there was no story behind the mask, so to speak. But there is more depth to what's behind the mask. And so I, I don't really see it. In fact, I think if they had used the ghost face mask from the movies or the more traditional ghost face mask, I almost think that that would have been more comedic in a weird way. I think it's eerier. The way that they went makes it eerier in the TV series. Well, I appreciate that at no point to my knowledge in the show, are they in any way, shape or form connected to the wider arc of Scream? None of the characters are related to anybody. It's its own separate galaxy in this horror verse, if you will. And I think that because it's its own thing, it was able to take its own liberties and execute its own show license on how they wanted to play it. The review I read probably summarized it the most succinctly and aptly, but it said, here's a show where not much will happen every episode, but because of this looming threat, this invisible monster that is ubiquitous, and even when they're not underfoot, they're still on characters' minds, that allows there to be a continuous suspense 
that is there, and it's like the red stained knife in the room that everybody wants to talk about, but nobody wants to take the first step. You never know what's going to happen in this show. And even when two guys are talking in the locker room, or they're out by Ren Lake, you never know what's going to happen. And that is masterful showmaking when nothing will happen, but you never knew that you were safe. And that's what Alfred Hitchcock based this whole filmmaking career on, was making the audience wonder, keeping them curious, and exercising that tension in a way that a proficient filmmaker would. I just love the fact that you never know what's going to happen. And even though the characters may go 30, 45 minutes or two episodes back to back without ever actually being injured or taken out, it's fucking suspenseful. (laughs) And every door that's opened, because you've seen the screams and you've been conditioned like a Pavlonian dog drooling into oblivion, you are reluctant for them to open doors and for them to walk up to a peer without announcing their presence well in advance. And that's really well shown. Also, I think it was really hitting on all cylinders where the music was perfectly incorporated into the scenes. I thought the acting, this is going to sound ridiculous as this is MTV after all, and we are talking about tweeners, but I kept waiting for there to be a character that I didn't like. So often I'll give a show a chance and I'll like some characters, but then I'll hate others. And in this case, I liked all of the characters. I liked the parents, the ones that were present. Brooke's dad, Mayor Maddox, Quinn Maddox, he's a goofball, but he's totally fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. You don't know what he's up to. You don't know how far his tendrils reach. And he is plugged into this community. I love the show. I could watch it once a year, commit to all 24 episodes or 22 episodes plus the two hour Halloween wrap up. I absolutely adore Scream the TV series. I feel bad for anyone who hasn't seen it. Because they've denied themselves of 22 plus hours thereabouts of serialized pleasure. What would you say to anyone listening who has not seen Scream, the TV series? Watch it! You won't regret it. Obviously. Surely you guys have have picked up on that. Shrewdly stated. Shrewdly. Did you have any other contributions you wanted to make before I hopped into the official intro of Faux Ghostface? Well, you had asked, one of the things you had asked was about the kills and the brutality. Was it enough? Was it not enough? I thought it was just enough because I am not a fan of over the top. I think the movies were not over the top, but they were gruesome. They were traipsing on the precipice of the butte of over the top. Yeah. And they found the precipice in Scream 6, if you ask me. (laughs) Well, I would say that Scream 1... The kitchen scene, very disturbing. And the beginning, the first five minutes, very disturbing. Scream 2, to me, I felt like was actually toned down on the violence. Although because it has a higher body count, they say, oh, more gore. The sequel is always more brutal and violent. The third Scream, again, took kind of a step back from the violence, I felt. It was a little bit more comedic, comical violence. But 4, when that girl gets eviscerated in her bedroom, that was, holy shitballs, we're back to Stephen Orff now. And then five and six, they are upping the stakes on the violence. Yeah, agree. Definitely gory. When I think about the movies, it's not grotesque. I'm able to watch it, unlike Saw and movies like that. The show, I think, finds a good balance. There are two, maybe three kills that come to mind that are pretty nasty. Outrageous. Outrageously delicious. 
But other than that, I think it is not one of those situations where you're walking and you're just like, oh, like cringing. And I would be the one who would be cringing. I thought as tasteful as murder can be, I thought the show showed up in that way. I'm going to draw a comparison to Scream Queens. Scream Queens make no fucking mistake here, now, there, or anywhere. I really enjoy Scream Queens, but that touches more on the comedy and less on the suspense, fear, horror components. This show, more of a blend. But the reason I brought up Scream Queens is Scream Queens has me laughing out loud and it's so quick and so many things are said, like that show Archer. If you blink, you're going to miss a fucking vile reference that is hysterical. But Scream Queens was gross. There are five or six scenes in Scream Queens that I cannot eat while watching. They're just disgusting. Like when Miss Lard asks the help that is like scrubbing the floors, falls in the deep fryer. Mm. It's funny and I see what they're trying to do, but it's just so fucking disgusting. Ryan Murphy. Scream the TV series. There's only a couple moments and I'm like, ugh. But it's totally watchable. And that's the thing is it's enjoyable. And they don't linger. No, they don't. Yes, but it's it's definitely not for kids. There's a lot of elements that are definitely appropriately placed in the bracket of keep away from children, which is how it should be. Well, Sharp so children- objects, medication, and shows such as this. And MTV. That's what I was going to say. Absolutely. I mean, I don't think that children should be watching MTV. Just saying. It's- I know it's for teenagers, but even teenagers, really. Well, we were just conversing off mic. I did not watch much of MTV. I watched a few of their reality shows, but the vast majority of it was lost on me. I watched The Real World when I was like 15, but this to me is one of the best serialized shows, like drama shows, classified as a drama horror, that has come out from any network. And I'm about to dive into that right the fuck now, if you are done with your cold open intro. So cold. Welcome, you mini-series streaming, nightmare-dreaming, and daymare-screaming with a collective penchant for limited, both standalone and anthology serialized thrillers about serial killers. Henceforth, your moniker, you lovely, loyal, lustful-for-blood listeners, shall be Dreamy Screamers. You're our dreamy screamers who feel no guilty in the pleasure you imbibe. From the seamy side streaming shows both lurid and steamy, where the slasher always has a sickle, scythe, or island kitchen block knife handy. The first prey to go is a witless and slutty member of the sorority cheer committee who remains randy. While you outwardly cheer for her to live, but inwardly wish her still beating life, she'll give to the killer's collage of carnage eye candy. Those slick flicks are indubitably my forte, firmly entrenched within my bailiwick of expertise. My knowledge of film bounces somewhere between worthwhile cinephile and a cinematic fanatic of obsession. Would you say that's fair? Yes. Would you say I'm a worthwhile cinephile or a cinematic fanatic? Cinematic fanatic. Very well. What do you think? Who knows? 
That's why I'm asking you. I mean, you are a fanatic. Trying to I get just some watch perspective a movie. here. I just watch a movie for enjoyment and to escape, and you're there, like, analyzing every moment of every scene. The movies are where I live. <sighs> but in this case, it's a television show, you see? Fanatic. While I have scripted, crafted, recorded, edited, and posted over 30 episodes in my Slick Flick Pick library, allow me to state something with calm certainty. A fanatic can't also wear the jacket of being calm, now can they? <laughs> I don't know, Hannibal Lecter was mighty calm. Yes, yes he was. Just as Norman Bates was also very calm, kind of. He was a little neurotic. But I'm no fucking slouch when it comes to the serialized, televised shows. You name it, I have watched it. Likely more than thrice. When I want an apocalyptic family drama, I simply rewatch Jericho. When I crave a metaphorical funny bone caress tickle, I confidently rely on Californication Vice Principals Professor Neil Gamby, Professor Lee Russell, Gamby, and Parks and Recreation. Wanted to throw out a little shout to Parks and Recreation. One of Red Devil's favorites. I was never going to watch it. She kindly asked me to watch it. We watched it. Now I've seen the whole fucking thing like three times. Worth it. If it is a gritty Shakespearean police show, I fancy, then I simply revisit The Shield for the tenth time and watch all seven seasons of that splendid FX drama. Or if instead I seek a police procedural, I remain a colossal proponent of The Wire. My sci-fi show of choice, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles. The only serialized Western I swear by, Deadwood. I brave to say, I have even dipped my extremities into fantasy. Though dip fails to deliver justice, I wholly submerged my white Irish ass into Game of Thrones. When I've a hankering for nail-biting tension, Prison Break has never failed to break me out of complacency. Moments come, sometimes in the form of an insidious trickle, other times apocalyptic flood. But when I seek an emotional catharsis from all of the grief and detritus in the world, I have not found better than Mr. Robot, The Leftovers, and The Killing, which is also one of Red Devil and my favorite shows. But it is very dark, and it is very lugubrious, and at times hopeless. Although the ending, at the end of that four-season emotional doldrum stay, is extremely worth it. And emotionally cathartic. For historical curiosity to be sated via an edgy, provocative retelling, I watch Peaky Blinders. And for about 30 years now, I have subscribed to the sci fi horror hybrid balanced so expertly in The X Files. Molda. Now, Red Devil loves The X Files. Tell them. Tell them. They'll just have to know. From the vibes I'm sending, or the aliens are sending. Dana Scully vibes, that is. When you offer tithing to your wishing well for war, look no further and wait no longer, as Band of Brothers quenches your blood and brotherly lust. Yes. But what do you watch? What do your peepers peruse, or you visually pursue, when your me time comes due, and you're seeking a two-season Yes, technically, Scream the TV series is three seasons. 
but we are extricating the third season from our broadcast henceforth. Show that serves an appetizing amalgamation of Wicked Wit, a sinister slasher antagonist. Oodles of rich meta-commentary, a cocksure rock-solid mystery, coming-of-age, cleverly shot, superbly acted, with a soundtrack that melds with its sinister, stringed score so harmoniously you would expect to see Lindsay fucking Sterling on stage stringing her instrument of choice with O Wonder's mellifluous duo singing. We've seen O Wonder and Lindsay Sterling in concert. High five. Where would you go to find such a show? Now I'm tempted to toss out Supernatural. Do it and I'll toss you out. And for Wham Bam Cam and Polish out there who really love Supernatural so much that you get Supernatural ink on your body. I'm going to tell you, yes, I really enjoy Supernatural particularly the first season and the second season, and I like the third season too. Hell, I'll even throw in the fourth season. But, as that former WB-turned-CW show is a hibernating gem, about which you didn't know. But the answer is no, and that is not where we are going to go. Scream, the TV series, season one and two, is the stream. It's been on Netflix now for over three years. Get to it, people. Of its rewatch, I so often dream. The ladies remain dreamy, as their vocal prowess proves screamy. When I know its immersive and entertaining experience looms near, I let out a healthy, primal, risky but rewarding SCREAM! It is cathartically soothing to scream. And with your Noah Foster imposter and Daisy, you'll meet me in hell, Bell. Team. We're not your most feared nightmare, rather your most fantasized dream. Sounds right. It proves thus far a pleasure to bring this 23-episode saga to your visual cortex and ear canals. In addition to the slew of showered praise press I just wafted in the direction of this TV series, I add as a corollary that this show does the Scream Slick Flick Pick Film Saga justice bending in different directions, and upending all you expected from the film versions. It takes a familiar comfort vehicle along for the ride. But there are twists, turns, and detours along the tortuous streaming journey. And in the words of Piper, Noah, Emma, Hud, Kieran, Jake the Snake Who Shakes, Will, Audrey, Brooke, Mayor Maddox, Seth, Riley. Everyone has secrets. Everyone tells lies. And everyone is fair game. Daisy, Daisy. Welcome, dreamy screamers, to Faux Ghost Face. Stream and dream a little Scream the TV series for us. Your peepers may not oft deceive you, and your instincts may never betray you. But, dreamy screamers, this screaming, dreamy stream will grip your fear glands tight in its visceral vice. For this serialized killer show does not play goddamn nice, and it will level you profoundly and shock you so stealthily you'll never see it coming! Faux ghost face, you're becoming. While I revere film and deftly express said reverence through my Chemohawk Session Library offering, the oral book Slick Flick Pick, I recognize through my 2020 eyes that shows the entertainment medium of serialized television 
not parsed or ladled out in healthy portions, rather binged, hours on, fucking end, have revolutionized our streaming habits. While there is a multitude of shows to pursue, I assure you, some are indelible treasures, and others brain-rotting, wilting goo. Allow, caught red-handed devil, and I, the pleasure of steering you to one televised production so stellar you will imbibe the two seasons of this MTV treat with such an exuberance and wildly disconcerting disposition, you will wonder why, in the ever-loathing hell, you ever let this two-season viewing elude or otherwise escape your stream selection perusing. As you are our dreamy screamers, it is only fitting and proper that we have our respective concomitant handles, so it shall be, I am your Noah Foster imposter, falsetto prophet, and my warmer-than-a-corpse co-host. Daisy, you'll meet me in Hell Bell. Red Devil. Scream the TV series does the loose but undeniable attributed source material, Scream, crafted by Craven. Now remember my slick flick pick? Two ghost faces deceive, then cleave neve. Source material proud. This show remains akin to, but furnishes plot, characters, and flavor all its own. A faux ghost costume draped over similar skin. This show is violent, meta, quirky, and exudes sin. By way of a succinct summarized conclusion, it embodies characters we believe in, wish, and want to survive. To the killer's game, win. So let us dive the fuck in and our faux ghost face auditory show begin. Will this surgical reaper go uncaptured? Our beloved Lakewood 6 left empty-handed? Or will faux ghost face be captured blood red-handed? I vehemently delight in the fright of vicariously living through fictional, televised characters. Brought to life by blade-sharp wit and script, killer costumes, perfectly convincing corpses via makeup, leaving a deathless impression far more ineffable, indelible, and lasting than any real-life mortal. I knew there was an inexplicable charm and slick sheen to the slashing TV series that screams, get it? Yup. Of enchanting characters we love to watch, and we do love to watch. We love The to Lakewood watch. 6, The Lakewood 20, however many. We love them all. All the Lakewoods. Let's move to Lakewood. Study and emulate as though through their brushes with death and rolling the dice on which faux Ghostface will slice. Who among the Lakewood 6 will pay the final, irreversible price? These roles are played so well. These characters never really die, nor dwell in hell. Rather, they remain alive, to entertain, in us confide, and warm up the occasional frost that takes hold inside. Now, when I was sipping on the chemotherapy cocktail, so this came out two years before I started with my cancer diagnosis and the subsequent treatment, but you bet your ass to a ball sack that I was watching and rewatching season one and two in 2017, for Comfort Carnage Candy. This was my show of choice. And now, though free of the tendrils of that cancerous creature, just as then, I rewatch and of this show's splendor, rejoice. Yeah, and honestly, I think that's kind of telling. You watch this show when you're going through your cancer journey, probably not something you want to be reminded of, but it doesn't bring back those memories. It just brings back the memories of a freaking awesome show. Living in Austin, watching a new show. Every time I find a new show 
that is exquisite, it gives me hope. It gives me hope in shows. It gives me hope in screenplay writing, acting, new blood, not rubbing me the wrong way. Because you know me, I like things the way they are, generally speaking. But I like this cast. And this was a fresh cast. Fresh fucking cast. Love it. And I'm starting to see these people in other things. By the way, drinking from this Arctic tumbler that I got a $3 canvas sticker that says, Hello, Emma. Hello, Emma. And it's got a phone, like an old school phone, like a rotary phone. And the hello and the Emma have like the blood font dripping down. Bring, bring. I have another sticker that's the Lakewood 6. But yep. we'll, we'll talk about the Lakewood 6 in excruciating detail a little later on a different episode. How will we unveil the face of faux ghost face? After we conclude this gripping introduction into this faux ghost face seduction, our first official episode will be as frightening as it is enlightening breakdown of the main characters who will comprise the first season. Naturally, we will not reveal their mortal-slash-afterlife fates, but we will delve into their personalities, motivations, and what fun flavor they bring to this faux ghostface goulash. Then a traditional episodic review will commence as you would expect, but unlike our prior episodic review of Baraska, Darker Mile Marker, one of Red Devil and my most accomplished feats, we started it, we ended it, all 16 episodes. Yeah, plus I don't an know how we did it, oh, but we, we did, did it. it. We did it in fine fucking fashion. We will focus a tad less on plot points and more on our intuitions and educated fucking guesses on unmasking the culprit before too many throats slit. But the real challenge will be playing dumb, for we have the knowledge tucked away. And we, regarding the show's killer reveal, shall stay mum. Mum's the word. I think that will be a great game. Like a guessing game, but it can be a drinking game game? where every time we see a clue where, oh, yes, that does. If we can make an argument like a Tetris piece sliding into that area that allows the entire level to disappear, I think we should take a swig of the drink because we were fools for not seeing it the first time, punishing ourselves. That, that would be the game. It's a game of self-flagellation. Isn't that what it is? Intoxicating trivia. Self-flagellation, the action of flogging oneself, especially as a form of religious discipline. Mm, Is that sacrilegious? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe only God can punish you. Well, that's true. Dream a little scream for us, dreamy screamers. Or stream a little scream for us on Netflix, screaming, streaming, screamers. Our witty words, sharp like a blood-stained blade, are coming soon to a throat. Near you. Shing! And in the words of Noah Foster, who in this case will sound particularly effeminate. Everyone has secrets, everyone tells lies, and everyone is fair game until there's no one left. Now that was his quote in the show. I crafted my own Noah Foster the imposter quote. My words, people. For the viral blackmail post of shame, all are to blame. And in this scary, unfair game, the killer will, some frame, others maim, in their pursuit of sick, twisted fame. Nice. Thank you. Remain deep in fear, but don't disappear, dreamy screamers, as your next oral scream dream will be a cast breakdown of the first season, who we love, who we root for, and who of their vicious wit and vibrant looks. We crave more. Right around the alley corner, 
underneath your bed. We've warned you till we're blue in the face. The killer's hand, a blood-stained red. Listen intently and watch closely, for you just might catch the next chapter coming. Fogo's face, the Lakewood clan's lifespan, our reflection and dissection of the Lakewood cast. Please go to Apple Podcast and rate me and leave comments. No comments are too long or too truthful. Please let me know how you're enjoying Chemohawk Sessions. I'm very excited about this project. I can feel your palpable excitement. Your host, the Noah Foster Imposter, Falsetto Prophet, and Daisy, you'll meet me in hell, Bell. Red Devil, out. out.